Well, good evening. It is Monday, the first of four shows this week. If you include Saturday, it's five. But here we go. It's time to uh, time to get going with the Employment Law Show. Good to have you here on a Monday night. Uh, Alex Luciferro is our guy, is your guy, to answer all the questions you have over the course of the next half hour. As it pertains to your work life and your employment law rights, we always shatter the myths and the misconceptions about employment law because there's uh, quite a few out there. And uh, people are always shaking their head going, I don't know what to do. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca and for any other matter. You can go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. We're going to get to a, a bunch of stuff on the show over the course of the next little while. We're going to talk about probationary periods and termination rights in Ontario. That's coming up in a jiffy, as they say. But Alex, my brother, you have a matter to talk about first to get us warmed up. What do you got, pal? Hey, John. Good money evening to you. Great to be back live on the air talking mm-hmm. employment law as always talking workplace rights for employees and for employers as well. Let's not forget uh, the, all the employers out there listening and longtime listeners of our, uh, of our show. It's, uh, it's been a busy week, John, been a busy start to the week. I uh, can't believe it's only Monday, uh, really yeah. it's a busy day. Uh, spoke to lots of people today, myself, uh, trying to resolve their workplace situations, giving advice, of course, helping people to get the severance that they're owed. That's what we do on a daily, daily basis. Our entire team really, we uh, continue to speak to people on a daily basis. They've heard this show or they've seen right. the TV show or they've been put in mm-hmm. touch with us through a, a family member or a friend. These people call us, John, of course, because they're dealing with a problem at work. They're dealing with a difficult situation. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to respond to their employer. They've been really backed into a corner. They need some help and they want to know what their rights are. They want to know what options they have. And as you very well know, that's what we do as employment lawyers. We help people resolve their workplace problems. Uh, It's the bread and butter of our work. It's, of course, what we pride ourselves uh, on. And what's actually great about our job, uh, John, is after we speak to people, after we give people that advice, they almost always, if not always, feel a heck of a lot uh, better. A A lot of times we can resolve these situations quite straightforwardly. Employment law is not an overly complicated area of law. We can solve a lot of situations quite straightforwardly. And even in those really difficult, really sticky sticky situations that we can't resolve perfectly, that can't be resolved perfectly by any means, listen, people are grateful to just have a sense uh, of what they can and can do, what options they have and where they stand. So if this is, you know, if this is striking a chord with any of you listening right now, if you're listening to us and you're dealing with a difficult situation at work, maybe you've been let go from your job, maybe your boss is treating you badly, or maybe... Maybe you're an employer, as I mentioned at at the top of the show. Maybe you're an employer, you're a manager at a company, you're dealing with a difficult situation uh, at work. Feel free to give us a call right now. It's an opportunity to talk to an employment lawyer. Let's solve that problem. Let's try and alleviate that stress, that workplace stress that's that's been dragging on you. I always encourage the people that I speak with, do not be be shy. There are no bad questions. We're here to talk. We're here to help. Uh, And of course, listen, if you don't want to call into the show, give us a call at uh, at the office, you can certainly do so uh, as well there. Uh, to get uh, to the meat and bones, uh, John, you mentioned uh, I wanted to talk about a situation that came across my desk. Call it the case of the day, of course. Uh, I actually spoke to this gentleman. It would have been late last week. I believe it was Thursday of, of last week. Tough situation, John. This gentleman is 62 years old, so he's been around the block a few times. He's had his fair share uh, of employment uh, experience. His most recent employer he has been with for six years. So not a short-term employee. Listen, if you're going to stick around at a place for six years, you're probably doing something right. Um, he was in finance for the company, making a good living, making a good salary. 
And uh, his workplace has just been absolutely, uh, uh, really just slammed over the past couple of years. He has been nonstop uh, busy burning the candle at both ends to the point, John, where a couple of months ago, he was just burnt out. He had worked too hard, too many hours, too much overtime, and he was really forced to take a medical leave of absence. His, his doctor actually told him, you need to take some time away from work. It's, it's affecting your health now. And so this gentleman did. He took the time off uh, and he, uh, I believe, uh, took about a month off of work uh, and then returned back to work, was cleared by his doctor return, to return back to work, but on limited hours. So he, he was returning back to work, but his doctor had said, you can only work a maximum of about 30 hours per week. He was basically okay. capped at that. So kind of a part-time schedule, not full-time hours necessarily. And so he hands that doctor's note to his, uh, to his employer, John. And what does the employer do in response? The employer says, well, listen, we're still busy. You know, I don't really care that you have the doctor's note. We need you to get the work done. You know, he was a key cog in the machine uh, in his employer. But they really completely disregarded uh, the doctor's note. And this guy went back to, and really he felt pressured. He felt no choice but to re return back to the 50, 60, 70 hour weeks that he was working previously. Yeah. And what do you think happens in a case like uh, that, John? What would happen to any of us in a situation like that? He immediately got burnt out over, yep. uh, you know, all over again. And so at that point, this gentleman reached out to me and said, you know, Alex, something feels wrong here. You know, uh, every time I'm going back to work, I keep dealing with this situation. I'm getting burnt out. Uh, my boss, my, my employer is not listening to the fact that I can only work a certain amount of hours per week. What can I do in this situation? Again, it's a question we get asked day in and day out. And I told him, John, and this is the case you, you really almost uh, all the time, except for the very, very rare case. You're, the employer here made a massive, massive mistake. They failed to accommodate this employee. An employer has an obligation, a legal obligation in black and white uh, to accommodate employees with limitations when it comes to medical issues. If the doctor told this employee you cannot work more than 30 hours per week, the employer had to play ball. It doesn't matter how busy they were. They had to abide by the doctor's note. They had to make sure that this gentleman wasn't working more than 30 hours a week. And what did they, what did they do? They did the exact opposite. They didn't even cap the hours at 40 at a, at a regular work week, right? They just pushed him back to the same extreme work hours that he had prior to his medical leave. That's a massive problem for the employer, John. Yeah. That is basically a human rights violation. You failed to accommodate this employee uh, that is a failure to accommodate under our human rights legislation in Ontario, the Human Rights Code. And so this employee now has recourse, John, because this happened. This employee actually can treat his employment as terminated. It's what we call a constructive dismissal. Because the employer effectively broke the law here, the employee now has a choice. He can give it a second go. Right? He can try and go back again and keep the employment relationship and try and make it work again and maybe be a little bit more forceful in doing so, now that he's spoken to me, he's gotten the advice. He now feels confident in taking a position if he's going to go back to work. But interestingly, John, he actually doesn't have an obligation to go back into a work environment like that. They've already treated him poorly. They have already broken the law. This gentleman can now actually decide to end his employment, get a reasonable severance package, which, by the way, John, for a 62-year-old individual who is pretty, pretty up there in the company, in the finance department, 
with six years of service, he's probably looking at something like eight months of severance, uh, which is you know a considerable amount of money. He has that option available to him, John, and he wouldn't have known that if he hadn't spoken to an employment lawyer. And so we're going to be working with this gentleman now to either get him the severance he's owed or actually get him back to work on reasonable terms that are going to allow him to succeed in his job uh, rather than fail again, which is what happened the first time when the employer didn't do things properly. Again, that little reminder to reach out anytime you want to have a further discussion in private or otherwise with Alex won't cost you a dime just to pick up a phone, right? one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. We got our topic for the uh, the day probationary periods and termination rights in Ontario, which we're going to get to after a short break. Employment Law Show, hang on. And we are back. So good to have you with us uh, on the show. We're just uh, getting our first call lined up here. And uh, we're going to get that on the air in uh, in just a moment. And uh, we'll get to our topic for the day or for the evening as well. It's Monday night. Alex Luciferro here, courtesy San Fiero to Market LLP. Anytime you want to reach out to Alex as well. Glad to talk to you. one 821 5900 It's how you do that, but we got to move on to the phone calls. Always priority. Rosemary, thank you so much for taking the time. How are you? Hi, good. How are you? Fantastic. Thank you so much. What's uh, what's your question? Um, I was telling uh, the screener that I, mm-hmm. I, came, I was listening to the radio, but I came in um, towards the end of, uh, um, of the last call or the last uh, segment. Anyway, my husband uh, injured his shoulder, um, and when he went to uh, the doctor, uh, he said it was like frozen shoulder, and he um, had to take a month off work uh, and go to physio and try and get it, um, you know, um, better. Um, And he was lucky he went when he did because it wasn't uh, at the worst state. Anyway, um, so then he wants to go back to work and see if he can manage and uh, there were the doctor just put in a few accommodations, like uh, not uh, going on scaffolding, not going on ladders, which uh, he said he, they do rarely, and not uh, lifting anything heavy, you know, because he couldn't lift anything above his shoulders. Mm-hmm. And um, his employer um, said that uh, they can't accommodate him because they're too busy and they can't take someone off what they're doing to help my husband. And um, so now he's, uh, he's on um, short-term, I guess, disability, but he doesn't want to be on that. He wants to go back to work. And uh, when I was listening, um, you said that, uh, the, the, if I heard correctly, that they have a duty to accommodate? That's right. Yeah, that's right, Rosemary. Okay. So yeah, yeah, and happy to explain this. Happy to explain this to you. And I, and I have to say, Rosemary, and and we appreciate you calling and asking the question. This is a situation we see extremely often, and and way too often, and in my opinion, and and here's why. So let me just kind of give you the the quick legal analysis here. An employer has an okay. obligation to accommodate an employee, such as your husband, in the exact same situation your husband is actually in to the point of what's called undue hardship. Undue hardship is a fancy way of saying it actually isn't convenient to accommodate an employee who has a medical condition. It's meant to not be convenient. It's supposed to be difficult for an employer to accommodate an employee. That's a given in the legal analysis. It's not enough for the employer to say, oh, you know what, it's too complicated, we're too busy, or we have X, Y, or Z going, you know, we can't do it right now. That's not good enough. Undue hardship effectively means it has to be pretty much 
impossible to accommodate the employee that has medical restrictions or a medical condition that needs addressing. And, and so, you know, again, in, in the vast majority of these kinds of situations, Rosemary, like your husband's, your employer probably didn't do enough. I mean, not only did it not do enough in just kind of brushing him away, it probably didn't even investigate the situation well enough. I'm sure there are things your husband could have done at work that didn't require extra heavy lifting or didn't require going on scaffolding, right? So what I would say, Rosemary, is this is probably worth the conversation. Your husband could, of course, decide what he wants to do. If he wants to stay on disability, by all means, stay on disability if you have your doctor's authorization. But if he's looking to go back to work, there's a right way to do it from a legal perspective. So what I would say is have your husband give us a call. Let's have a chat off air. Let's figure out a game plan figure out what exactly those accommodations need to be from his doctor, and then approach your employer with a proper plan. If they reject your husband again, Rosemary, what I would say is, and as I was saying with respect to the case of the day, the, the first story I was, I, I was describing, your husband may very well have a case for severance if your employer continues to give him a hard time. So right. that might be a conversation worth having, but it's certainly worth consulting with an employment lawyer at this stage if, you're, if his employer has already effectively rejected uh, him returning back to work. Yes, they have. And um, so, uh, like, unless he goes back with no restrictions, they told him he can't go back. Yeah, and that's not how the law works. A absolutely not, not even close. Employers would love that to be the case, obviously, right? Because they, it's no right. sweat on them when they get 100% employee back. But again, it's not how the law works. Uh, employees have better rights than that when dealing with medical restrictions in the workplace. Okay, that's good. Because, um, I mean, he, he was, he's been working there since 1990. And um, they don't have work. That's the problem. And so I think this mm -hmm. is a way of not paying the employees, you know, like possible. saving money, basically. Yeah, and as a long-service employee, uh, Rosemary, is your husband unionized? No. Yeah, so as, so as a non-unionized long-service employee... Rosemary, his severance entitlements are going to be very, very significant. They're probably in the 24-month range, two years of pay. And you're, you're absolutely right. You're, his employer might know that and hope that your husband just walks away, perhaps, so they don't have to pay that severance. Right. And he's also 63 right now. He'll be 64 in a few months. So yeah. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All, all factors that point to maximum severance. Right. Okay. That's great. I'll tell him uh, to give you a call. Awesome. Thanks, Rosemary. Appreciate the uh, <clears throat> appreciate the time as well. That number, if you haven't got it already, you probably do. 1-855-821-5900. 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. That's actually good timing, uh, Alex, on Rosemary's partner husband because, you know, she mentioned he's, he might be on short term. If he, even if he transfers to long term, the fact that he's 63, I mean, he's going to hit that threshold, that 24, that two-year mark with long-term disability policies. Generally, they end at 65. So, I mean, it's it's not the end of the world, but you can see it from here. So it's good that he gets on this with you and gets to, I uh, guess, to a resolution with this employer, right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. And listen, if he was already trying to get back to work, he may very well be owed short-term disability benefits, but longer-term mm -hmm. benefits might be more difficult. You yeah. know, if he's if he's recovering and might be at that point where he's able to return, even if he's able to do office work, uh, John, again, it doesn't have to be his exact job. Those accommodations can be very, very creative. And again, if an employer is not willing to play ball in that respect, then we're talking severance. 
uh, right? And, you know, Rosemary's husband, 20, you know, how many years of service? I guess, you know, that would be 30 plus years, 30 plus uh, years of service, if my math is correct, 32. And, uh, you know, geez, 63 years old, you're looking at 24 months of severance for an employee like that. You know, it's really significant. It brings you to that 65 years old that you mentioned. So, yeah, yeah no, great call by Rosemary. And obviously, we struck a chord with, with the topic. And again, I, I meant what I said, uh, John. This happens way more often than it should. Let's get down to our first point of the uh, topic for the day, pal. Probationary periods and termination rights in Ontario. Again, a lot of stuff you're not going to know about this. This is why we do this show every night of the week. First one, is probation automatic any time an employer hires a new employee? A lot of people think it is, right? Yeah, lots of people think it is. It's another uh, little understood area of the law. Uh, and, you know, despite that interesting area of the law, probationary periods, that is. So to answer your question, John, no, a probationary period is not automatic. It's not implied. A probationary period needs to be written into an employment contract. And so if you sign an employment contract with an employer that doesn't have a probationary period, or if you don't even sign an employment contract with an employer, maybe it's just a handshake and off you go, or it's a very basic letter confirming your, you know, your pay and your start date and your position, do not simply assume, and your employer would be wrong to assume that there is a probationary period, whatever period of time that might be. People can say it's one month or three months or six months or, or a year unless it's written into an employment contract. There's really no such thing as a probationary period. And again, that is very, uh, very little known, even for employers in this industry or, or, you know, in Ontario, they oftentimes think it's kind of an automatic right that they have that they can let an employee go within three months. Not the case. We'll move on to our next one as we continue on with the uh, few minutes of the show here. Uh, Probationary periods, termination rights in Ontario. How long can a a period be, probation period, and can it be extended after the original time is up? Or, you know, let me put it this way. Does the extension make any sense? Yeah, yeah. Fair question, uh, John. And this is where where things get interesting perhaps from a a severance point of view. So, uh, you know, I can tell you that most probationary periods, you ask how long it could be, I can tell you the standard time for a probationary period is three months. And so a lot of times in an employment contract, what we will see is a clause that effectively says, you know, you have a probationary period for three months. Within that three-month period, we can let you go effectively with no severance or no notice of your termination, you know, if we don't, if we deem that you're not a good fit. And the reality, uh, John, is that that is likely an enforceable clause. An employer, if it's written into your contract, can you let you go really without any notice, you know, within that period of time. Now, it has to be well written, it has to be enforceable, and it has to be in an employment contract. Again, this can't be implied, this can't be mm-hmm. verbal. It has to be in black and white on paper and signed by you and signed uh, by the company. The question of whether you can extend the probationary period is interesting, uh, uh, John, and I'm not going to go into the details here. There have probably been a couple of cases on this uh, subject, but the reality is this, and this is the larger reality of non-unionized employment full stop. Keep in mind, John, and you know this well, but, but for our listeners out there, listen, an employer can always let an employee go. They don't necessarily need to have a reason. It doesn't have to be based on performance doesn't necessarily have to be tied to a probationary period. As long as the correct amount of severance is paid, sure, you can let an employee go. So if you're, you know, extending a probationary period, for example, beyond the three-month period of time, and let's say you're not sure about the employee, but you extend it for six months, 
Well, listen, that's fine. You can kind of technically extend that probationary period. It's the equivalent of kind of a performance improvement plan, uh, which is a phrase that's heard often for performance uh, management in a workplace. But if you let that employee go beyond that three-month mark, you're going to owe them severance still. It doesn't absolve you of your severance entitlements, even if you extend the probationary period. And so that's a caution to employers out there. Sure, go ahead and extend the probationary period if you're not sure about this employee. Uh, But you may very well owe that employee severance anyway, potentially based on their age, position, and years of service. And as we've talked about many, many times on the show, John, even short service employees, even employees of just a few months can be owed considerable severance. I mean, an employee, let's say in a relative, you know, let's say in a management level position, even of just a few months can be owed several months of severance, anywhere between probably three and six months of severance, potentially just as long as uh, they've been employed. And so be cautious of that as an employer, even if you extend the probationary period, it's still a question of how much severance you owe that employee. Let me get to one more quick question before I wrap for this particular show, pal. What can now the employer, what do they do if they're not happy with the employee's performance during that probationary term? Well, what you want to do is document the performance concerns. So you don't necessarily want this to become an argument between whether the employee is actually a good fit or not. You want to at least do some degree of due diligence. And I'm talking here just kind of during, let's say, a three-month initial probationary period, you want to make sure that there is some sort of record there of concerns about performance because the decision to let a probationary employee go has to be made in good faith. Uh, It cannot just necessarily be, oh, you know, maybe we pay her or him too much, so, you know, let's let them go. It has to actually be based on a performance for that initial three-month period. So I would say document the performance concerns Listen, address the concerns with the employee. Who knows? They might be able to turn it around. You need to communicate with an employee about your expectations as an employer, right? Maybe the employee just doesn't get it and they could turn it around very, very quickly with, with a conversation like that or with some, you know, with some tutoring, with some guidance. So that's how I would handle a probationary employee if you have concerns about their performance during that period. And we are just about done for the day, but that's okay. You can return Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, weekend. you get got all kinds of time to join us here and have your say and ask your questions. Now that we are done for the Monday night edition of the show, Reaching Alex, no problem. 1-855-821-5900 is how you do that. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And always, your first stop is pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Free, anonymous website, full of information. There's contact there as well. And the severance calculator, free and easy to use, uh, will be found at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. Employment Law Show, Tuesday night edition. We'll see you then.